Hello and welcome to Let Me Bore You <laughs> to Sleep. So I just, just as I start speaking, Vinny has to begin his harassment of me. What do you want? I got nothing for you. You had everything. Oh, you want a bone? Oh man, I gotta get my bone. Right, just got him a bone. So he's happy. Logie is, I think, Logie likes the end of the bones. Like the, the chunky bits, even though they're not real bones, but they're, they're still edible. And he likes the chunky bits, doesn't like them when they're the full bone. Vinny likes them when they're the full bone. But hey, <laughs> they've all got their own little preference. So Logie's eating the ends of yesterday's bone that Vinny had. So that's why he was begging me for a new one. I mean, he might have been begging for something else. He might have been wanting to watch Mamma Mia again on TV. I don't know. It's uh, hard to guess, isn't it? Anyway, how are you all doing? Um, uh, so this is Let Me Bore You to Sleep. My name is Jason Newland. Please only listen when you can safely close your eyes. I was woken up today by... Well, I did wake up about six o'clock, about half five, six... So I went to bed just after 10. So I got out of bed about half five. And then I went back to bed again a couple of hours later. Woken up at half eight by the council breaking up a shed, a wooden shed over the, over the fence. Like with a, with a sledgehammer. And and it sounded like perhaps a crowbar as well, you know, trying to rip it apart and that. So, yeah, after a few minutes of that, I thought, well, first of all, I wanted to have a look at my phone to see if it was before half eight so I could shout out, what time do you call this? So I think they're allowed to do stuff like that after half eight. Uh, I know these things because I'm a grumpy old man. And once I was up, because in order for me to get out of bed or to even reach the phone, which is on my set of drawers next to the bed, I have to <laughs> I have to manoeuvre the bigger lump that is Logie and also try to avoid sitting on Vinny 
So Logie's from pretty much my my stomach down to my feet on the other side of the bed and Vinny's around around about my chest face area. So it's very difficult to manoeuvre that and I woke both of them up. Ironically, they weren't woken up by the banging. Which is a bit strange. And... I mean, a caterpillar fired the other day and he started barking. But someone hitting, you know, smashing a wooden shed up with a sledgehammer doesn't affect him. Don't bother him at all. Weird. And it's not like it happens regularly. It's not like a regular sound. You know, ooh, it's, it's a half eight. No. It's, you know, it's not, doesn't something, it doesn't something that happens not regularly. There was a sentence there somewhere. Oh, So I'm actually recording this in the morning, which is unusual. I'm tired. Just because, but I don't know. Just because I am. It's 9.38am in the morning. And... It's weird, I've, I've, um, I wasn't sure what to do today. Hey, no, stop begging, no, now Logie's begging me for stuff. Go away, go and sit down. Just leave, leave Uncle JJ alone for a little bit. That's a good girl. I know you're a boy, but that's a good girl. Go over there, go over there. He just stares at me. He's such a pretty boy, Logie is. He just looks up at me with his huge head. You, if you squashed Vinny up, you could fit him. You could mould Logie's head with his entire body. <laughs> he, he sort of, his head is that big. It's like a dinosaur head, isn't it? His body's big, but his head is huge. I'm I'm not being it's not rude. It's weird though because I forget how little Vinny is. You know, when, I, when it's just me and him, I get used to his size and I don't really think much of it. But lately I've got a comparison all the time, 24 hour comparison, and Vinny is tiny. Such a tiny little thing. But they have been getting on really well. They had a couple of days when they didn't get on so well last week or the week before. But now they're very, very calm together. Uh, if Logie goes near Andre when he's eating something, Andre, Andre, blimey. If Logie goes near Vinny when he's eating a bone or something, Vinny does growl. But Logie takes that and just walks away. Doesn't take the bone, but he accepts that he's not allowed to have it, which is good because he could just take it if he wanted to, but he doesn't. So that's good. He's a good boy. I think they really love each other. I do. I think they really. I know they have a, a very close 
relationship. And they lay near each other and they, you know, they sleep together in the bed with me. I'm stuck against the wall because I can't move. And Vinny's been more attentive to me, a bit more caring, maybe affectionate since Logie's been here because Logie's a very affectionate dog. He likes to lay his head on me, likes to be petted, patted, whatever it's called. And Vinny's not so much into that. But what he's started to do is when Logie's sitting on the other side of the settee, instead of laying on my feet like Vinny normally does, because it's this like a recliner thing, so he, he, sit, he lays on my feet, he started to come near my waist and sort of just cuddle up to, to my, actually on the chair itself rather than the extension to the chair, the leg extension. Now he hasn't done that before, but now he's doing it nearly every day. And I like that because sometimes when he's laying on my feet, it's a little bit irritating having something on, on my ankles, to be honest. I like to move my feet around and it just, just feels a little bit restrictive. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I, I prefer him just to be doing what he does. I mean, he's so little, he can, he can sit on my lap or lay on my lap and, you know, that's cool. But Logie, the big massive dinosaur monster, he's too heavy. And when I just eaten, for some reason he likes to come over and lay on me. And I have to move him because he's pressing on my tom-tom. And it's just too much. He's such a head. I mean, he's got to be blimey. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, he's got eight, eight to nine stone. I wouldn't be surprised if he was 10 stone, to be honest, but it probably isn't 10 stone. But he's just really, because you imagine, he's, he's, yeah, I don't know. I've not, it's, I, I suppose I could weigh him. I do have some scales. But I'm not that bothered about his weight, you know. It's not that interesting to me that I would take the minute and a half out of my life to weigh him. But I reckon, yeah, he's a good eight stone, if not more. And that's compact. I mean, his neck is... His neck is the size of Vinny's body. Like the, the thick part of his body, that's the size of Logie's neck. However, if Vinny was the same size as Logie, I think Vinny would win in a fight. Because Jack Russell's, they can be really vicious, I know. And, but then... Logie can be really vicious as well, with other dogs anyway. But I think uh, if he was the same size, I'm guessing he might be a lot stronger than Logie is. 
it's hard to tell. I mean, it's just, what are they? Congesture? It's just make-believe. There's no way of knowing, is there? But it doesn't stop me wondering. Oh, so, um, yeah, I woke up today and I just, I got up. Well, I'm up. And didn't really feel like doing anything. Just, yeah, not, not really just anything. Not even anything. See, the gate's just gone in the bar in the bathroom in the garden. That Vinny used to bark at that every time. Now he doesn't. It's getting better. Things that used to really trigger him to be barking, not so much. Uh, someone knocks at the door. He, I think he's always going to bark at that. That's just natural. If he hears the door downstairs. He's still kind of semi-programmed to think it's um, my friend or Logie coming up. So he, you know, gets excited and barks. But because that hasn't happened, well, hasn't really happened since the last two weeks or so. Because Logie's been up here and, you know, my friend's not been down there. So Vinny's, whether when the new person moves in there. And they let the door slam like everyone else does. It's a standard thing downstairs. Is whether he will start to bark again. I don't know. He still has a bark when the post person comes. Uh, it was a post woman actually. It's a lady that delivers that post. And he barks whenever she comes. Usually. Sometimes it's more of a... I hear that. But um, there's someone in the garden. They saw moved over there, moved in over there, and they're always in the garden. Like always in it, like and it's a shared shared garden. They're always there. I was, I, was, I, I don't think it woke me up, but. I woke up to light shining in the window and it was the lights from over the fence about five o'clock. It's like, why are you in the garden at five o'clock in the morning for? It's, maybe they've never been outside before. Maybe it's a new thing. It's a novelty. I don't know, do you? They might have spent the last 30 years living in a a council block of flats or something and never had a garden and now they've got even though it's not a proper garden because like mine it's just shared it's communal so it's mind you they do have a tiny strip of grass that's theirs so if you live downstairs you do if you're upstairs you don't you don't get anything you are but yeah I think you're allowed in the garden if you're upstairs I'm not sure but Downstairs, you get a little strip, so it's not a commute. It's it's communal as far as there's no separation other than a pathway 
between the strips of grass. No fencing or anything like that to separate them. Um, but so everyone has access to each other's gardens, really, in a way. But they all have an individual piece of grass. Tiny, you know, it's, it's only a small amount, but I, I think it'd be better if it was all cordoned off. Because then they could have this degree of privacy, isn't there? And it would be like a proper garden. I mean, I know I've got one of my neighbours over the other side, not that side, the different side. And she's got a two-bedroom flat. And it's the best place I've seen. It's big. It's a it's lovely living room. Kitchen's big. Um, not being in the bathroom. Um, but the... What's it? The garden. You've got a big garden. Quite a fair-sized garden, you know, considering it's... A council place. I mean, it's got to probably be the size near enough of the communal area. Maybe a little bit smaller, but because the communal area is a fair size outside. I'd love to have lived there. If only, I mean, I, you know, I don't think I'd be allowed to to move into a two-bedroom flat. But that would be perfect, especially with the dogs. If I if I end up with both the dogs or even just with Vinny. Being able to go in and out and do his stuff. I just put a little dog flap or a little cat flap in for him. Because he's, he's the size of a cat. Okay, a little bit bigger maybe. I don't know. He's the size of a big cat, a large cat. So I could definitely put a flap in there. And he could come and go as he pleases. Um... Yeah, I don't know if I'd bother with the electric thing. You, you know those um, thing collars which open that allow the cat to get in and out to stop them bringing friends in. Well, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because I might come back to a house full of cats, and he might pretend to be friends with them. Come in, come in. I find them all tied up. Because <laughs> I think he's got a bit of a mean streak. He likes cats, but I don't know why he likes them. He's very fascinated with them. A bit too fascinated, if you ask me. He's uh, bordering on... Com mm, you know? Mm. Mm, questionable. He's now listening to us. I, listen, I watch him. So he's eating his bone, then he stops, and you can see that he's just listening. What's that I'm hearing in the garden? What is it? That's okay, I'll ignore it for now. I won't bark yet. He's a funny little sausage. So, still waiting to hear about uh, Logie, whether or not... I mean, uh, the person who... It's said that they're going to be taking him. I should hear about that in the next few days, I guess. And uh, found out, yeah, I've got the, the the event in January for my friend. So that that's uh, second week of January. 
and then things can start to get back to whatever normal is. But I worry a little bit about Vinny though, because when Logie goes, what will Vinny do? How will he react? Because when Logie went missing for about two and a half, three weeks, a few months back, uh, he basically ran off and someone picked him up, took him to a charity and he was gone for a few weeks and then they managed to find him and brought him back. He'd lo lost loads of weight. Uh, and But the first week, bear in mind that Vinny saw Logie usually most days but not he wasn't with him all the time but he'd see him at least every two days but usually most days for the first week and a half that Logie was missing Vinny sat by the front door I'm exaggerating it was the first week but for at least the first week he sat by the front door or he hid in the bedroom. He wouldn't come to the bed. He wouldn't come near me. Wouldn't come. Wouldn't get onto the bed. It was like he was pining for Logie. What he what it must have been. There's no other no other reason. He was still seeing uh, my friend. So that what that hadn't changed. He just wasn't seeing Logie. And he just it's like he knew he wasn't in the building. He could sense that he wasn't downstairs anymore. Because I think they used to communicate with each other. You know, the... I mean, you think about it, if... If, uh, if there's certain sounds that only dogs can hear and humans can't hear, then who's to say that dogs aren't making those sounds to each other? Because we wouldn't hear it, would we? You know what I mean? So perhaps they're communicating in a way that is, you know, because sometimes, like, oh, he's barking, he's doing this, so they're saying hello to each other. Or maybe they're making sounds that we can't hear. And they really are communicating in a much more I don't know, complex manner. You know, reading each other poetry or something, I don't know. Planning a, a big escape, probably. So it does, yeah. I never thought about that. It's, it's possible, isn't it? Because we can't hear it, we just don't think it might, it doesn't even like enter our minds that maybe they are communicating but if they can hear stuff that we can't hear at a level a sound level that we uh, that doesn't register with our ears then that would be the best way for them to communicate wouldn't it without us knowing because they might think that we can understand them I doubt they do I mean, Logie understands more than Vinny, as far as, come here. Although Logie might understand it, but he ignores it. I have to count from one to ten 
to get Vinny to do anything most of the time. You know, we'll be in the garden, he'll run over trying to get to his ex-mum's house. And I'd like, come here. Like, Vinny, come here. Logie will come. I say, come here, Logie, he'll come straight away. Vinny, come here. And I take one, two, three. And I try and go deeper every time to the point where I like, uh, yeah, I guess a bit, a little bit silly, but eventually he comes over. He did it earlier and he came over and then I went to put his lead on and he ran away again. I said, here now. And he laid down on the ground. I, why can't just come and let me put the lead on? I don't get it. He's just... Maybe in time he will. Maybe in time as he gets older he'll be a bit more agreeable to the little things, you know, like putting his lead on and just behaving. I don't ask much of him. I don't, I'm don't. i not asking him to do tricks for a talent contest. It's just basic stuff like Come here. He lets he lets me put the lead on when we're indoors. But even then he plays around. Like, like making weird noises and running around and just like sometimes rolling on the floor. Just want to put the lead on so we can take you out. We can take you out. I can take you out. And then I'm in the bed. I get on the bed and I put my socks on. Because I have my socks off a lot of the time apart from when I've when, they, when I've got them on yeah he knows when I put my socks on it normally means I'm about to take him out and he starts biting the socks it's like the one thing he wants in the whole world more than anything apart from maybe more treats is me to take him out And he knows that putting my socks on means that I'm probably going to be taking him out. Yeah, he tries to stop me from doing that one thing that I need to do. And again, when I go to put my shoes on, again, grabbing at my feet, biting the shoes. You know, and I'll try and walk and he'll be biting at me, at me trousers. He's like trying to prevent me from doing the, the one thing that he wants me to do. It's uh, it's very unusual. Oh, I've got itchy eyeball. That's nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, today I just didn't really know what to do because I couldn't lay in bed with the banging going on. But I kind of didn't really want to get up. I mean, when I finish this, I might actually go back Betty buys for a little while. I really don't know. I don't have a... 
I'm going to have a plan for today. And there's some stuff I'd like to do, a bit more clearing up, a bit more tidying up, have a shower, maybe do some laundry, you know, those kinds of exciting things. But I don't know, man. I just, I just... I seem to have um, lost my mojo a little bit. Not that I've had a mojo for a long time, but the mojo regarding, you know, doing something, focusing on something, seems to just... The last few days, I haven't really done much at all. Um, I've not even been taking the dogs for a walk. I just let them in the garden a few times a day because taking both together, it's too hard. They're getting tangled up. One's 10 times stronger than the other one. And pulling me this way, Vinny's kind of going a different way. Then I need to try and, if one of them goes to the toilet, the other one's trying to pull me away from there and I'm trying to pick up whatever's, you know, it's just, especially at night, I can't, you know, I can't use a torch when I've got them both in, both hands are being used. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not really practical. So I've just been letting them in the garden the last couple of days since... I think Friday actually, I think Saturday, Sunday and today. They go in the garden maybe three or four times and they can do what they need to do and I'll clear up whatever mess is there and that's it. So Vinny's not really getting the exercise that he needs. Logie is not particularly bothered about going for walks to be honest. He's quite happy just to go in the garden and then come upstairs and go to sleep or chew on a bone or you know just relax he's got I think he's got arthritis in his feet on his legs and he struggles to get up and down the stairs now it's a real kind of he has to force himself to do it getting down the stairs is easier getting up the stairs not so and he slips as well sometimes so I have to be really careful to make sure that he doesn't fall down the stairs. Uh, there's, the, there's the amount of excitement as well, especially when he's going down the stairs. He's so excited because he's going to go in the garden. I wish I could be excited about stuff like that. It's amazing, isn't it? Imagine being that, that excited about going, going in the garden. We're going to go in the garden. That place we went to three hours ago. We're going back in there. Oh, um, maybe they feel like prisoners. Maybe that's their recreation time. I hope they don't feel that way. I mean, they've got the run of this place. They pretty much. I mean, I could vacuum every day, which I don't, but I could, which I won't. I mean, I can, but I can't, is, it's still be messy, every single day, it's still be messy, because they're just constantly,
spreading mess and ripping stuff up and you know shredding things and leaving them on the floor and uh, I mean, need to get rid of two chairs from here I need to look into the storage and start getting rid of some stuff out of there as well ready for the dustman I did, I did think about maybe next year, not January, having a break from television for a year. And by that, I don't mean television, television. I mean everything, like Netflix and all that stuff. Anything, anything that I would watch on the big TV. But then not compensate and start watching it on the laptop. But just not watch anything anymore. Just just for a year. Just for a year. But then what would I do if there was a big boxing fight on? Because there will be. There's Tyson Fury and Usyk should be fighting, I think, in January, maybe February time. For the Unified World Championship. So that would be, I mean, that would be a shame to miss that. Also, there's a possibility that David Benavidez may fight Canelo next year, which will be, out of all the fights, that's the one that I want to see. Pretty much out of all the fights. All the fights that there is potential of, that's the one I want to watch because I'm, I'm David Benavidez's biggest fan. I love him. Been following him for years and years and years, and he's phenomenal. Now Canelo's also phenomenal, so you know, I couldn't guess. Even though I'm, I'm a fan of Canelo. I'm a bigger fan of David Benavides, and I'm also a huge fan of Bivol as well because Bivol beat Canelo. I was a fan of his before that, before um, he fought Canelo, and I actually did believe that he was going to win. I'm probably the only person in the whole world that thought Bivol was going to win. I didn't think he was going to knock Canelo out. I don't... At this stage, unless he carries on fighting until he's in his 40s, I don't think Canelo can be knocked out by anyone that's currently in the boxing scene. Someone else might come along and be... have that ability, you know? But at the moment, I don't think there's anyone out there that would have the ability to knock him out. Maybe knock him down, but not knock him out. Because he has, he got in there with Golovkin. And if anyone was going to knock anyone out, Golovkin was. He's the hardest puncher in the middleweight slash super middleweight division. Possibly for um, a decade, I would say, possibly more. The, bit, the hardest puncher out of any that have been... Yeah, pretty much, I'd say. 
But then Canelo, you could say maybe Canelo is the hardest puncher. He might be the hardest single puncher, like a one-off, you know, like a, a big punch. But I would say Golovkin, both hands, you know, it's, it's weird because he should have been, I think Golovkin should have been classed in the, the category, same category as Marvin Hagler as one of the greatest middleweights of all time. And maybe he will be. But it's almost like no one talks about him anymore, even though he's a world champion still. He became he lost his titles to Canelo. They had three fights. I think the first one was the first one a draw, second one Canelo won, and then the third one Canelo won. And I just, I think that maybe that tainted Golovkin's legacy, perhaps, having those fights. I mean, in some ways, it cemented it because they were, the first two were pretty amazing fights. And they were so... I think in a fight like that, the only way to really find out who is the best is to have unlimited rounds. It might sound weird, but sometimes that might be the right thing to do. To just say, look, uh, we're not sticking to the 12 rounds on this one. You know, you're, they're so both equal when it came to the power, the ability to take a shot, the athleticism, can't say the word. And about the same age, I think Ginelli, um Golovkin's older, but not by a huge amount, I don't think. Uh, but he is at the end, nearing the end of his career. But then so is Canelo, he's got to be, I reckon. Canelo's about 34 now, I think. Um, the lower weights generally don't carry on. Generally, I say generally, but then I'm thinking... Not totally true. There have been a few boxers that have carried on to the age of 48, 49. But, but that's a rare, a rare. But I also think Canelo's rare. He could be one of those people that could win world titles. But he will lose. But he's already lost. So it's, he's, he doesn't have to have an unblemished record. Because, I mean, I think... Most people in boxing, people that love boxing, people that work in boxing, would respect anyone that goes up to light heavyweight, from being uh, middleweight, super middleweight, to go started off at like lightweight or whatever he was, and then go all the way up and challenge an unbeaten world champion. Um, having already won a world title at that weight in the past and knocked out the champion and then went back down in weight and then came up again um, you can't it's, there's nothing but respect for someone that's willing to to not have the advantage to not have the physical advantage because instead of fighting when Canelo fought for the world title at, super, at uh, light heavyweight before he fought someone that was pretty much near the end of their career 
But that person was a knockout heist, but he fought him right at the end of his career. He was, and I think some people criticised him for that, saying, well, you, it was easy pickings, you knew, you know, which it wasn't. Really? Shut up. Blimey. It wasn't easy pickings because the bloke was a world champion. He was naturally a lot bigger than Canelo. And he had every advantage. Yeah, he was older. But, you know, he had every other advantage over Canelo. Um, one of the hardest hitters in boxing as well. Um, when he was a champion. And then Canelo came along and he did knock him out. So I think people criticise him, saying, oh, yeah, you, but you, you cherry-picked him. So he comes back after winning all the super middleweight titles, beat, beating about six different English fighters, and then he fights a young world champion, as in um, someone that's in his prime, who, who is Bivol. And there's, there's two, at the time there was three light heavyweight champions, Bivol, Berbiev, Berbiev and Smith. Well, Smith fought Berbiev and lost. It says now there's only two. There should only be one, but... You know, you should think that. It should just be one world title holder, like they used to in the old days. But then I see what happens when there's only one world title holder. Um, and it's it's happened with Canelo. Because he's held all the titles in a super middleweight um, bracket. And even though he's been going up in weight, he's kept those titles. He's been allowed to. And he hasn't given anyone else a chance to win the title. Well, he has, but not, not the people that... Um, should have been there. So David Benavidez, who's already held the super middleweight world title twice before, and unbeaten, still unbeaten, and he holds the interim world title, uh, WBA or WBC, whatever it is. So he's next in line, but so are three other people. Because everyone's got like their own interim belt, so it's it does it stops other people becoming world champion or have to wait in line. So the same thing happened with um, Dillian White. He waited for years, years and years and years. I think for like five years or something, four and a half years to become. Uh, to actually fight for the world title, and when he did, he was he was over his best. He was past his best, you know, as a as a boxer. Still a great boxer, but he he didn't. If he'd have had the opportunity when he was in his prime, he may well have won the title. Because he, he he jumped through so many hoops, Dillian White. He fought everybody, people other people that people didn't want to touch. He fought unbeaten challengers, contenders, and he fought everyone. Anyone that he could fight, he fought. 
and he won most of the fights. He lost one, and then he he got his revenge on that one, and then finally got his world title, you know, shot at Tyson Fury, and he got knocked out by Tyson Fury with an uppercut. Now, I don't believe that the Let's take nothing away from Tyson Fury, who is a phenomenon in himself. He's just, he's a one of a kind. I don't think that would have gone that way, the same way if it had been five years earlier. Because Dillian White was a different, a different beast back then in the ring. He was, unless he just had a bit of an off night, I don't know. But he... One of the most, he's a very exciting fighter. Oh well, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, so Ben, oh, so Bivol, who's a light heavyweight champion, and Berbiev, you know what? Berbiev, okay, he's they're both from Russia, both of them, both undefeated. Berbiev has knocked out every single one of his opponents. Now that is almost unheard of for a world title. You know, someone who's own has a world title, he has three of the world titles out of four. Three out of four world titles and he's knocked everyone out. Now even Mike Tyson didn't knock everybody out. It feels like it if you remember, if you can remember back in the day when he was the you know, champion. But he didn't knock everyone out. Floyd Mayweather didn't knock everyone out. Um, Hitman Hearns didn't knock everyone out. You know, uh, very. Uh, there might be a couple of people who have done that. But usually it's, you get contenders that are like that. They might have knocked out the first. And there was, there was uh, I think he's like welterweight. And he's a, like a really high profile contender. And he knocked out his first 16 opponents. Like in the first round or second round, you know, really quickly. And then the next three fights went the distance. So as he improved his uh, opponents, as, as they got a better qu class of quality of boxer, he wasn't able to do the same thing as he did before. So in a way, those knockouts, although 16 knockouts in a row, it got him attention. It probably got him... a. Uh, a well-paid contract, you know, he probably got a good contract signed because um, it was exciting, uh, people were interested and wanted to see him fight. But at the same time, it doesn't pre didn't prepare him for a future, you know, a future in boxing because once you get face someone that is not able to be knocked out, you know, and you have to go 12 rounds. It's a different matter. I've seen that with a few boxers over the years. You know, they're really... I mean, it happened to David Hay, actually. 
he was he was the golden boy in the UK and everyone like he was going to go on and be a world champion which he did he became cruiserweight champion and heavyweight champion but there was a blip in his career so he was knocking he was blowing everyone away knocking everyone out as he like progressed and then he came up against and he was the favorite to win all the time and he did go on to win the, you know as i said the cruiserweight world championship and the heavyweight championship so he's he's a legend however he came he kept knocking people out early and i think it's thompson the person he fought and who was a very skillful but very experienced boxer and it was a standard fight David Hale was expected just to knock him out and just move on to the next one. That didn't happen. And he got schooled by the the boxer he fought. And he got tired. And eventually he got knocked out himself. If I remember correctly. In the later rounds by his opponent. And that's when he realised he had to be prepared to go the distance which he did when he won the World's Heavyweight Championship. He went the distance with the Beast from the East, who was a huge Middle Eastern, I don't know, not Middle Eastern, um, Eastern European. I'm not sure if he was Russian or if he was Croatian. I think he was Russian, but he was huge, huge man. Biggest boxer that's ever been. Biggest world champion he's ever been. It was like seven foot one or something. An absolute huge man. And David Hay was a natural cruiserweight, so he was never going to be a big heavyweight. I mean, no cruiserweight can go on to be a... Well, they can if they're like six foot six and they naturally become heavier, you know. Then they could end up being like 17, 18 stone, I suppose, but... Usually, cruiserweights that go on, or light heavyweights that go on to be heavyweights, they're quite often, unless it happens very young in their career, they generally don't end up being big heavyweights. But they can still be successful. Look at Van der Holyfield, the most successful heavyweight boxer of all time. So Van der Holyfield, yeah, Van der Holyfield, he... He was never a big heavyweight. He was a big bloke, obviously, you know, but he was a lump of a man. But he was never a big heavyweight. He was cruiserweight, world champion, unified, and then he went on to become unified heavyweight champion. The only person ever to have done that before or since to become unified both. Um, he... Arguably the greatest heavyweight or the most accomplished heavyweight of all time. And I know people will argue saying, Oh, what about what about Muhammad Ali? No one ever says Muhammad Ali. It's always Muhammad Ali. I didn't realise his name was Muhammad and surname was Ali. I thought it was Muhammad Ali. That was like one name. A bit like 
Madonna or Prince, you know? The thing is, there's only been two heavyweights in our in this generation, during my lifetime anyway. Only two heavyweights that have well no, it's only been one heavyweight that's really blown that's been the most famous out of all of them, and that's Mike Tyson. I'd say second would be Larry Holmes, but you know, the first ten years of my life Larry Holmes was well, no, actually, during my lifetime, 1970, so yeah, I didn't, yeah, so okay, Ali and Tyson, Ali first, because he, he did have a huge career in the 70s, didn't he? I know he was around the 60s, that's when he started, but in the 70s, I'm losing track of how old I am. Ali and Tyson, two most fav famous, I'd say arguably boxers in the world. Are definitely heavyweights and the most famous boxer the most famous heavyweight of all time I have to stop now now they've started banging again in the garden damn them that's the thing about making recordings you never know what you're gonna what kind of sounds are gonna be occurring in the background and I think the council, I think they probably had a little break because they worked, they did do about half an hour's work. So I think they took an hour and a half off to recover and then they come back for about another 10 minutes. So yeah, that's probably why I had to uh, make a lot, a lot of banging. So I'm going to go. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh dear. Bye bye.